This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome to episode number four of Chicago Shuffle, the official Chicago Bears podcast of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I am your host, Brian Perez, and I want to welcome all of you back to another show where we're going to discuss Ryan Pace, the job he's done as general manager here of the Chicago Bears since 2015. You know, front offices have been in the news with the chaos and dysfunction that's going on in New York right now, what we saw with Mike McCagnan getting fired, Adam Gase pulling the ultimate power surge there uh, with uh, with gangrene and and. It's just incredible to see how an organization can go from being praised the way the Jets were in free agency and the draft and then suddenly and and almost unbelievably become the most dysfunctional football team in New York. In, and that includes a city that has uh, their rivals in uh, in the NFC having traded away Odell Beckham and drafting Daniel Jones at number six overall. So for the Jets to take the iron throne of the most dysfunctional franchise in the Big Apple is quite the accomplishment. And we're going to dive deep into that with uh, Luke Easterling, the managing editor of USA Today's DraftWire.com. We're going to have a nice discussion about the general manager here in Chicago, Ryan Pace, and compare and contrast the stability that the Bears have been able to obtain with Pace and now Matt Nagy as head coach to what's going on in New York and how that relationship, if it goes poorly and if it just takes that turn for the worse, can really disrupt the development and evolution of a franchise, especially one with a young quarterback like we have in Chicago and like they have over there in New York with Sam Darnold. So we'll touch on that in a minute. But before we do, I want to remind all of you guys to head on over to Apple Podcasts and make sure you subscribe to the show. Actually, you can subscribe to the show anywhere that you get your podcast from. Give us a rating, a review. I'm I'm loving these reviews that are coming in, even the ones that might not be so nice. We had a three-star review come in the other day, and and he called me Mr. Negative, that I'm talking negative about the Chicago Bears, and that somehow, someway, I came across as having a man crush on Jared Goff. I don't know necessarily where that came from, but I love it. I love that feedback, and if I am coming across a little too uh, down on the Bears or hard on them in any of these episodes, just remember, guys and gals, This is real talk here. We're talking real Bears talk, the good, the bad, and everything in between, because this is a safe place. This is a a place of, of peace and love for the Chicago Bears, and with that sometimes comes justified and necessary criticism. So we're not going to change our ways, but I love hearing the feedback from all of you. Make sure you drop those reviews in iTunes uh, and and give us that rating. And follow me over on Twitter, at Brian Perez NFL. That's Brian with a Y. And make sure you're following all the Blue Wire shows. I mean, there's this is an ever-growing network of great podcasts across multiple sports. Whatever your interest is, is whatever your favorite team is, you're going to find a show for it. And if not yet, soon there will be one soon. So make sure you're staying up to date with everything going on with the Blue Wire Podcast Network. And now without further ado, I want to bring in my guy, 
Luke Easterling. He's a he's been a longtime friend of mine. He's doing some phenomenal work over at DraftWire.com. It's the USA Today Sports Media Group NFL Draft site. They're coming off a record-setting draft season. So if you haven't had a chance to check out Luke's work, make sure you head over to uh, Twitter and follow him, at Luke Easterling. And, of course, check out all of the stuff he's pumping out over at the DraftWire. Luke, did you survive draft season in one piece? I'm not sure I went into it in one piece, so I don't know if it's a fair person, but uh, I'm happy. Uh, I'm enjoying uh, what little of an off season, if you can call it that. We already got like the the way too early twenty stuff rolling out there, but it, it's nice to uh, to come up for air a little bit for sure. It definitely is, and, and you know, having such a strong connection to draft media, having really cut my teeth in this industry in the draft, and and continuing my draft work over at withthefirstpick.com. This time of year really is a fun time for the guys that cover the draft because you get to look back at the work that you put in through the the, the really, if you think about it, like you just said, you're doing early draft work on the 2020 class. I'm doing that as well. So it's an 11-month process. You really only get about a month to catch your breath, and it usually comes right after the draft through that middle to end of May, maybe even early June. And it's a, it's an opportunity for you to kind of take a look at the rest of the league and, and see what the developing storylines and uh, narratives are as we kind of march toward OTAs or march through OTAs, march toward training camp, and then ultimately the preseason and regular season. And I wanted to pick your brain a little bit about the Chicago Bears and specifically the job that Ryan Pace has done since he became the general manager in 2015. We now have, let's see, 15, 16, 17, 18, five draft classes, believe it or not, in Brian Pace's, uh, you know, on his report card, for lack of a better term. Uh, same number of free agency classes. We're going to go through some of those names uh, as we kind of go through this here. But big picture view, before we get into any specifics, if you had to, to kind of summarize it in a paragraph or less uh, in terms of the job Brian Pace has done, from an outsider's perspective, not that you follow this team every day, um, like all of us diehard Bears fans do, but from an outsider's, I know you're a Buccaneers guy and, and mainly a draft guy. What's the, pers- the 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 general perception of Ryan Pace as a general manager from where you stand? Well, I tell you what, uh, you mentioned the the Jets situation earlier, and and if you kind of read the stories and and hear the rumors that are kind of talked about when, in regards to Mike McCagnan. Uh, Something that continues to come up in terms of you know why the Jets wanted to make a move is his his lack of uh, assertiveness, his lack of confidence as, as a decision maker, his his inability to kind of confidently go in a direction uh, that he believes in, a lack of conviction, I guess, if you will, and and if that's kind of a, a key ingredient to having a successful general manager, which I think it is. Um, I think that you have to look at the moves that Ryan Pace has made uh, and say that's something that he obviously does not lack. You know, you go back to moves, obviously the biggest one and the easiest one is is moving up from three to two to take the quarterback that he was convinced was the franchise quarterback uh, of that draft class in Mitchell Trubisky. Uh, and and again, we were making fun of the Giants for taking Daniel Jones at six already this year, but there is something to be said for a general manager having – a, a mission, having a plan and saying, listen, I know we signed Mike Lennon uh, to what looks like a big money deal in free agency to kind of, you know, that's money, that's franchise quarterback money was back then. Um, 
And you know what? As we went through the process, we fell in love with Mitchell Trubisky. We think he's the guy. We're going to draft him anyway. Uh, you know, it kind of reminds me of a scenario what happened with Seattle. It wasn't a first-round pick, but when Seattle signed Matt Flynn in the offseason and then they drafted Russell Wilson and understood what they had in him, they confidently went in the direction of Russell Wilson because they knew that's where they needed to go. So uh, I think right off the top, if, if there's something that kind of defines Ryan Pace's process and it defines it in a positive way, uh, I think for Bears fans, the way they should look at it, it's the fact that you have a general manager who who has a framework, has a system and a way that he wants to go about building this team, and he's going to do it uh, whether you like it or not. And you know, you're you're you're. That's a great way to describe him in terms of the word used, and and that's aggressive. I mean, we don't have to look any further than last year's trade for Cleo Mack, the draft that preceded that trade, the move up to get Anthony Miller. This year's draft, he makes a move with the Patriots to move up in the third round to grab David Montgomery. It's pretty obvious that if Ryan Pace has a guy circled as a bear, as a guy who he wants to bring in onto this roster and ultimately have that player become maybe not necessarily a cornerstone piece. I mean, Cleo Mack obviously was, but if he sees a guy as a potential big contributor, he's going to do, like you said, he's going to do whatever it takes to get that guy. But Ryan Pace arrived here after, I would say, maybe a shaky start, to put it politely, and and and, and a disclaimer here, I'm not being negative about Ryan Pace. I think Ryan Pace is arguably one of the best young general managers in the league, if not the best. I know Ballard out in Indianapolis is the in vogue choice, but if Ryan Pace started his tenure in Chicago with Andrew Luck as the quarterback, I think he would have had a much easier time getting this team to the playoff level that we saw last year uh, than, uh, than he had to go through early on uh, with the roster he inherited. But if we look at the 2015 draft, and uh, we look at the results. I mean, at this point, we know who those guys are. Their careers are pretty well defined. With the exception of the second round and fifth round, his draft class really was, was just not good. I mean, Kevin White in the first round was was just a disaster. Injuries obviously derailed his career, but even when he got healthy, he just didn't look like he could play in the league. Eddie Goldman has become a stud, a fixture, one of those cornerstone pieces, a second-round pick that was an absolute grand slam. Coronas Grasso at center from Oregon, washout. Jeremy Langford, washout. In the sixth round, Tayo, I don't even want to butcher his last name, washout. And Adrian Amos is now, he signed a big contract as a, in free agency as a Green Bay Packer as a result of his overachieving career in Chicago through the first four years. So if you had to look at that first draft class for, for Ryan Pace as a rookie general manager, what's your takeaways from that initial class? I think it's a roller coaster. I think you kind of pointed it out that, you know, while you can't necessarily fault uh, him for the fault Ryan Pace for Kevin White's injury issues, you know, if you go back to that draft, there was, you know, a conversation about, you know, who's the number one receiver in this draft? Is it Amari Cooper? Is it Kevin White? And I think what Amari Cooper has done as the more polished, complete wide receiver, though he didn't have necessarily the size, physicality, speed combination that I think made Kevin White an attractive prospect. You know, we saw over, you know, his career so far, even at his most healthy, which again, injuries really have plagued him the whole way around, but he's never gotten a chance to really develop those physical skills and refine his game because he has been hurt. You still wonder if he had been healthy, would he ever have been the type of um, well-rounded player that seen Amari Cooper be throughout his career. So unfortunately, when you have a top 10 pick in your first draft, as many new GMs will, and you don't hit that guy, it's really 
hard to kind of play catch up after that. Eddie Goldman, I think, is the you know the best possible scenario. You get a guy that you can kind of build a defensive line around in the middle um, that helps save face there. You hoped you were getting the same kind of guy in Grassou to kind of anchor the interior offensive line. That didn't work out, obviously. Langford, you know, I think you got what maybe one productive season out of him. It looked like maybe he was going to be a, a productive. That didn't happen. Uh, Amos is going to be the gift that keeps on giving, hopefully, in terms of uh, comp picks uh, with the money he got uh, to go to Green Bay. But, you know, I think any Bears fan that pays attention knows that um, Amos, you know, probably got overpaid on on the market and you probably don't mind seeing another team in your division give him that money if you weren't willing to keep him. So um, definitely a roller coaster in this draft class, a a couple of big hits, um, a lot of misses. And again, the higher those misses happen, the more uh, the more credit. Uh, the more blame you're going to get for uh, for a general manager. Absolutely, and and I think that that trend somewhat continued moving into 2016. The first round pick, Leonard Floyd, we saw Leonard Floyd uh, ultimately develop last season into more of a run defender, good in pass coverage, but really coming up short as a pass rusher, which is why the Bears ultimately drafted him ninth overall that season. And that was in the John Fox, Vic Vic Fangio era. And Leonard Floyd was pegged as the quote-unquote Von Miller for their defense. And obviously he has not become that guy. It doesn't mean he can't become that guy. And you'd assume with a full healthy offseason training camp, hopefully he avoids an injury like last year when he fractured his hand before the season started. And he was really playing with one arm for the first quarter or more of the year. Playing opposite Khalil Mack this year. The Bears, you know, showed Floyd that they have confidence in him by picking up his fifth-year option. You'd imagine a career breakout season for him as a pass rusher, but that's still kind of an incomplete grade. Second round, they they moved around that that round that year as well and ended up getting Cody White here, who's become a, a really good, productive, starting interior offensive lineman for them, and, and he will be for a really long time. But then from there, the draft started kind of falling apart a little bit for the next few rounds. Third round was Jonathan Bullard. He's really evolved into just a guy. Uh, you know, he's going to probably lose his gig to Bilal Nichols last year's pick, which we'll talk about the 2018 draft, which was a really good one for the Bears. Um, then in fourth round, Nick Kiyakoski, the uh, inside linebacker, another guy who has a lot of upside, but he's pretty much blocked right now playing time with the Bears inside backers and Danny Trevathan and Roquan Smith, depending on the status of Trevathan in the in the in maybe the not too distant future maybe we see this guy end up evolving into a pretty good starter alongside smith but the clock is ticking in terms of his rookie contract in chicago he may end up emerging as a starter elsewhere deon bush deandre hall two fourth round defensive backs bush is nothing more than a depth player right now deandre hall isn't on the roster anymore jordan howard in the, in the fifth round was was the big pick that year right because he produced the first three seasons in chicago set a bears rookie record with 1,300-plus yards his first year, came back with another 1,200-yard season his second year. And then last year, he really just kind of became a misfit, a miscast in, uh, in in Matt Nagy's offense. He'll get a new lease on life in Philadelphia, but he's already kind of losing some ground there. They took Miles Sanders in the second round, so we may have already seen the, the, the ceiling of Jordan Howard's career. And then the draft ended with DeAndre Houston Carson, who's more of a special teamer right now in Chicago, and Daniel Braverman in the seventh round, who was everybody's uh, favorite training camp receiver that season. So from that class, you know, just your quick takes on Leonard Floyd, Cody Whitehair, uh, you know, the whole Jordan Howard saga. You know, where where do you see Pace kind of coming out of that year's draft? 
Yeah, I mean, again, with Floyd, you just the the knock on him coming out was that you know you see the 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 height, the length, the explosiveness off the edge, um, but you wondered if he's going to be able to to anchor the edge at that size, the kind of lean frame he has. Uh, if he was going to be able to kind of hold his own there. And I think, like you said, last year was really the year where you see him start to turn that corner and say maybe he can be the complete player that you're hoping to get with a top 10 pick. Uh, and now's the time for him to do that, to show he can do that um, going into the final year as rookie deal. Uh, White hair, I think, is a guy that you hoped you were getting in Grassou, uh the year before. Um, and hopefully, like you said, he'll be able to anchor the offensive line and do what he could not do. Uh, Bullard was a huge miss for me in terms of my personal rankings. I was really, really high on him, really liked his film at Florida, um, just hasn't developed into the kind of player that that, that I think uh, we saw against SEC competition. Uh, sometimes it just doesn't translate, so that's been kind of a disappointment to me. Um, you know, Jordan Howard is the perfect example as to why, if I were a general manager, I would want – multiple picks in that mid-round range because every single year I want to take a running back, at least one. I want to take a running back in the third, fourth, fifth round with an extra pick that I kind of have as a luxury pick because you you have a decent chance of, of if you if you get a guy that you know is going to fit your system at the time, you have a chance to get a couple of thousand-yard seasons out of him before almost trading him in for a new model in the, in the next draft of the draft after. So uh, I think Howard in the fifth was a perfect pick by, by Ryan Pace. He got, like you said, probably the best football we're going to see from him in his career out of him for very little investment financially. Uh, And he's already moved on to other things and they've already moved on at the running back position multiple times and in multiple ways to fit the system they have now. Um, So that, you know, again, I think it just highlights his ability to identify guys that fit what they want to do. Uh, high upside guys um, and, and thing you know moves that he's confident in making. Again, you know, Leonard Floyd they moved up from outside the top ten into the top only a couple of picks, uh, but ahead of the Bucks, uh, who needed a defensive lineman, uh, needed a pass rusher like that, ahead of the Giants, uh, who could have used Leonard Floyd as well. So he's definitely willing to make those aggressive moves for the guys he wants. Yeah, and you're right. That that was another example when he moved up the board for Floyd. It just the other guys we named earlier in the show, the players he targeted, moved up for. Those moves seem to to pan out, right? Whereas Leonard Floyd right now is still, and like I said before, an incomplete grade. And I do think he that 2016 class was a solid one for for Pace and kind of like his sophomore season adjusting to. Uh, the gig as a GM, and he he maintained that momentum in 2017 with a bunch of really, you know, the Bears only had, let's see, one, two, three, four, five picks that year, and four of them have become legitimate uh, players with not only immediate returns, but also still projecting forward with a guy like Adam Shaheen, we'll talk about in a second, still having a, a bright future in, in this town. And it started, obviously, in the first round, Mitchell Trubisky, the obvious, you know, the evaluation of that pick is pretty obvious. He's the franchise guy. He took a step in year two last year that everybody wants to see from a young quarterback. The sky's the limit with his potential, uh, especially now the full off season with Matt Nagy and and that cast of receivers he's throwing to. There's not going to be any unfamiliarity with not only the system, but his teammates. A big year obviously lies ahead for him. Adam Shaheen was the selection in the second round. And he was really the first uh, example of Ryan Pace's lack of fear when it comes to tapping into the small school player. He did it again in the fourth round with Tariq Cohen. Um, But let's go in order here. First round, Trubisky. Second round, Shaheen. uh, Fourth round, 
arguably the best pick of the uh, Ryan Pace regime so far, Eddie Jackson, the safety who's become arguably one of the top two or three players in the league at his position. Tariq Cohen in the fourth round has become the Jack, the <clears throat> that Jack knife, Swiss Army knife on offense. <clears throat> Excuse me. He can make a play from anywhere on the field, out of the backfield as a receiver, as a runner, just an absolute dynamic offensive weapon. And then the last pick of that draft, Jordan Morgan, uh, you know, is what it is. Developmental offensive lineman. Nothing right home about there, but you swing for the fences on those guys in the fifth round. But 2017 class, that's got that's gotta be, you know, the feather in his cap at this point, right? Yeah, and and again, when you started off with a quarterback, you that has to be the feather, you know, because that's the pick that's going to make or break the rest of your tenure. Is if you hit on that guy, the rest of those picks become uh, way uh, nicer in terms of uh, how criticized you are for them because they can, you know, a, a, a quality quarterback in this NFL um, in today's league can can cure pretty much any other ills. Um, but again, when you know that that lets you take a risk on a guy like Shaheen, who again coming from a very small school, but just lit up the by an extremely athletic guy for best as he is, still has tons of upside. Um, you know, Eddie Jackson, I don't think I've ever been more angry as a Bucks fan than, you know, and no offense to Evans, who has actually been a really solid player for the Bucks for the last couple of years uh, at free safety, but the Bucks took him in the top 50. And then to see Eddie Jackson, who I'm pretty sure I had a first round grade on that year, if not a, a high second, uh, to see him fall all the way outside the top 100 picks and see the, the, the Bears snatch him, I was, you know, I, I, I was furious as a Bucks fan, but obviously, you know, in a, in a, in a vacuum, looking at it objectively, the Bears knocked that pick out of the park. I, I have a feeling they had from day one, and obviously that's panned out. Uh, Cohen was one that, you know, I, I don't think I was the only person who was kind of scratching my head uh, at that one, especially after the season that Howard had had. <laughs> but clearly, uh, Pace had an understanding of, of what he was going to be able to bring to their offense, to them on special teams as well. Uh, he made an immediate impact. He's made an, a sustained impact as he's become more involved in the offense. Uh, and I think that, you know, I know we'll get to the 19 class, I'm sure, at some point uh, in this conversation. But even with the addition of David Montgomery in this draft, I don't see that diminishing Cohen's role because of how explosive, how versatile, how dynamic he is. Uh, this draft is is one that, again, will will sustain the Bears and will sustain Ryan Pace's legacy, I think, as much as anything. And now moving into the 2018 class, and we talked about 17 being the feather in Pace's cap. He may have topped it in 2018 by adding five legitimate players to this roster who not only have already emerged as contributors, uh, but are going to potentially be big time players for a long time in in Chicago. First round, it started off with Roquan Smith. He was an absolute stud last year, and even after missing all of training camp and all of the preseason, it's just I, to think of what he can become as that heat seeking missile as an inside linebacker. Now that he actually is going to have a training camp under his belt going into the regular season. And he's not going to be a guy that's thrown into a lineup with absolutely no NFL getting the NFL speed or getting his NFL legs under him in the summer, in those preseason games. That's so valuable for a rookie. It's something he did not have last year. And he still played at a remarkably high level he's going to be a guy that's going to, I'm telling you right now, circle his name in terms of a guy who could end up being a candidate for 
maybe even defensive player of the year if Chicago goes on another winning season. He's that kind of talent. James Daniels in the second round emerged as a starter last year. He'll be a fixture in the starting lineup for probably the next decade, considering he's only, I think he's 21 years old. I mean, this is a guy who, again, his best football is ahead of him, and he's already played some pretty darn good football as a rookie. Anthony Miller, the Bears traded back into the second round to get him. He made some plays in in his rookie season. He was banged up a little bit with a shoulder injury, but that guy is a natural-born playmaker. In the fifth round, they got Bilal Nichols, who was probably the biggest overachiever in the class in terms of where he was drafted and the role he ultimately played. He's going to be a full-time starter not too in the not-too-distant future. And then in the seventh round, Javon Wims was basically the preseason darling the big physical mismatch at wide receiver. It's going to be interesting to see how he fits in this year with the selection of Riley Ridley, but Javon Wims has a poor man's Brandon Marshall to his game. When you look at that kind of talent added in one draft class, I mean, that's got to be an A-plus for Ryan Pace. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Roquan Smith was a top-five overall prospect on my board that year. Um, You know, forget what people think about the the value of inside linebackers in this this, uh, today's NFL, but... Man, Roquan Smith is just a, a rare prospect. Athleticism, physicality, instincts, intelligence. I mean, he's the complete package. Uh, and again, I think, like you said, with a full offseason to, to go through uh, all of that preparation and, and get up to speed after a year of experience, uh, I just think we could see him explode and really establish himself as one of the best linebackers in, in the entire league. Uh, James Daniels, again, uh, versatility guy that can play multiple positions along the offensive line. Um, you know, injuries happen everywhere, but particularly along the offensive line, I think versatile guys are even more valuable. He brings that to the table. Anthony Miller, I, ha- I had as a top five receiver in that class. Um, uh, honestly, the most underrated part of his game uh, is his blocking ability. That, that kind of translates into the way he plays the ball, particularly in the red zone. You, you usually think of a guy who's, you know, not that big and being more of a, you know, slot, guy, maybe a quick guy, not necessarily a guy that can be imposing in the red zone. But if you watch his film at Memphis, I mean, he was a dominant, dominant red zone wide receiver. He would, you know, go up and get the ball. He'd beat out defenders physically for the ball. This is a guy who, and that all comes from a mentality that I'm going to beat you. I'm going to beat you to the ball. I'm going to beat you to the, to the landmark. I'm going to block you into submission while my guy runs the ball. Every single assignment that you watch Anthony Miller take on, he does it at 110% and he does it to, to dominate his opponent. And it's just a rare mentality to have in a receiver who, uh, who is listed at the size that he is. So uh, again, you touched on Nichols, you touched on Wims, who I loved uh, in the seventh round to them. I think again, he is a very, very complete player, may not have the speed that a lot of people like at wide receiver, but does everything else well as a pass catcher. Uh, and Nichols, I think, like you said, could be the, the big steal from that class as well. So um, a lot to like about this class, tons of potential still, even after the impressive uh, moments we saw from them as rookies. And, you know, we, we talked a bunch about the 2019 class on a previous episode. So for all you Bears fans out there, check it out. I believe it was episode number one of the Bears uh, Chicago Shuffle Bears podcast here. So make sure you take that, take a look at that so we don't beat a dead horse here on that class. Um, and we're going to transition here because it's not just the draft where uh, teams can help themselves. They can also help themselves in free agency. But Bears fans, there's another way you can help yourselves with a good and wonderful and pleasurable shaving experience. Luke, you know as well as I do, a good shave is 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 
priceless. And Harry's Razors is helping Blue Wire listeners with a better shaving experience. Go to harrys.com backslash Blue Wire to save $10 on a value trial set, which includes a five-blade razor with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade, rich lathering shave gel, a travel blade cover, and enough with the cheap razors, guys. Go try Harry's now. It's just $3 for our loyal listeners. Harry's has fixed shaving by combining a simple, clean design with quality and durable blades at a fair price. Harry's founders were tired of paying for razors that were overpriced and overdesigned. Harry's bought a world-class blade factory in Germany that's been making quality blades for over 95 years years join the 10 million who have tried harry's claim your trial offer now by going to harry's.com backslash blue wire all of harry's blades come with a 100 quality guarantee if you don't love your shave let them know and they'll give you a full refund refund again make sure you go to harry's.com backslash blue wire to redeem your razor for just three dollars and it would be fantastic if NFL general managers can get a full money back guarantee on free agency moves that didn't work out. And I think Ryan Pace would want that type of guarantee in the 2015 free agency class when he signed Eddie Royal, Entra Roll, Pernell McPhee, yikes, Ray McDonald, and Mason Foster. He also re-signed Zach Miller and Jimmy Clausen that year. Luke, was this just a, a rookie general manager trying to get some quick fix veterans to to fill some holes on a roster he invested or was uh, that he inherited or was this just just a plain old miss in his first free agency class yeah i think it's a little bit of both i think that you know when you have the money to spend and you that decision making power finally you you don't want to just let it sit there you want to kind of feel your way through your first opportunity to to use those resources and to use that power so uh, again, a lot more hits than, or a lot more misses than hits in this class. I've got to remember, I, I think Eddie Royal, was he coming off a big year in Denver that year? I, I think he had had some success prior to that. Um, and you know, you, you're trying to find depth. You're trying to find veteran guys. Usually that first draft, that first draft class and free agent class, you're trying to find leaders, guys that fit the new scheme that your coach is going to be running. There's a lot of different things swirling around, and and again, it, it's not surprising for any general manager to see them kind of whiff uh, a good bit on that first free agent class, because especially if they have not had uh, a GM job prior to that, they're, they're trying to figure out how they want to approach it. Uh, in their way. And you know, 2016, he came back around. He opened up the pocketbook once again. He made some nice moves that year with Danny Trevathan, Bobby Massey. Both of those guys have become. Uh, fixtures in the lineup. Bobby Massey earned his second contract in Chicago. He signed Tracy Porter that offseason to a bargain contract, and he actually ended up outplaying his contract as well. Uh, Jarrell Freeman, who, when he was in Chicago and not getting suspended for performance enhancing drugs or whatever else he was doing, he played well. Mitch Unrein did pretty solid. Uh, and, and then the biggest of them all was Akeem Hicks. I mean, Akeem Hicks has become arguably one of the best, if, you know, interior defensive lineman in the NFL, defensive end slash interior player. He's a pro bowler for the first time in 2018. He was snubbed in 2017. And when you look at the contract he signed compared to his actual probably open market value, that is a grand slam walk-off game winner. And he also added Josh Sitton that, that year, an offensive interior offensive lineman who produced well for Chicago and had uh, had a nice tenure before ultimately injuries caught up to him as well. So we're kind of seeing a pattern here with Ryan Pace. Rookie season uh, as the general manager in the draft and free agency, 
the moves didn't exactly go as, as he probably would have liked. But then that second year, he gets his legs under him, added a couple of nice free agents with Akeem Hicks obviously being the headliner. And then he comes back around in 2017 and kind of has a relapse, uh, you know, a regression, I should say. Marcus Wheaton, Mike Glennon, Quentin Depps, Deion Sims, Kendall Wright. Yikes. And, you know, the only saving grace from that offseason free agent signings was cornerback Prince Amukamara. And he also re-signed Bryce Callahan uh, to a very team-friendly contract. So when you look at those next two offseasons, is there anything that jumps out to you in terms of his free agent decision-making? Yeah, I think the the biggest thing is that it's surprising to see after all the success he had in 2016, you're thinking, okay, now we're moving in the right direction. Now we've kind of figured out the 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 method, figured out the system. We know how to identify how these guys are going to fit. They're going to have an immediate impact. Because honestly, that 2016 class, if you took away every successful signing except for Hicks, you still have a, a successful class. Am I right? I mean, even if that was the only guy that you would add had the kind of impact he had, you'd have to consider that a win, but you throw in all those other guys that um, became heavy contributors and are still doing that to this day. That's a huge, huge off season for the team. And you kind of, it sets the bar maybe, you know, unnecessarily high going into the 2017 off season. I think maybe that's why uh, it feels even more of a, like, like an even bigger letdown to see some of the names that they kind of swung and missed on big time. Uh, at very important positions as well. So uh, obviously, you know, the, you mentioned the two DBs that kind of helped them kind of balance that class out, but it was just a, a really unpleasant surprise to see him regress uh, in terms of the what they added after 2016. And last year he made headlines with a really aggressive, again, great word to describe him, a really aggressive approach to free agency with essentially building the offense around their biggest investment of Mitchell Trubisky, signing Allen Robinson, Taylor Gabriel, and Trey Burton as pass-catching weapons um, to the offense. And all three of them, while they maybe didn't make the kind of initial or immediate impact that uh, the club had hoped in 2018, the arrow is obviously pointing up on all of those guys, especially, again, Allen Robinson's now fully healthy. He's entering his second year in this system with Nagy, as is Burton and Taylor Gabriel. But you really can't ignore the, 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 the what is it, the 100-pound gorilla in the room, which is 100-pound, that'd be a small gorilla. But uh, you know what I mean. Uh, <laughs> Cody, <laughs> Cody Parkey, Luke. Cody Yikes, man. Parky. I mean, was, you're talking to a Bucks guy, so I know all about kicker problems. Yeah, I mean, the unbelievable uh, – I mean, the the way the season ended uh, for the Chicago Bears with Cody Parkey being that big-ticket free agent kicker who was supposed to finally be the answer, the cure to the ills that are the Bears kicker – that are the Bears kickers post-Robbie Gold. And, you know, whether you want to blame that last miss in the in the playoffs – on a blocked kick or whatever you want, whatever excuse a Bears fan wants to give to that, I get it. It's a way to psychologically heal from the wound, heal that wound. But Cody Parkey, you know, kind of sticks out as the the really devastating and crippling decision that he made that year. But did, when you evaluate a free agent class like that, do you look more toward the guys that are, you know, the positives that are that he's gonna that this team is gonna ultimately build around those skill players specifically, or is it hard to ignore? that one big decision that ultimately contributed to the Chicago Bears not only losing games, but you know going home maybe a week or two too early in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, obviously that's that's the huge, you know, mountain that you have to get over in terms of, you know, 
what the actual on-field impact was, but you got to put that away. I mean, you, you had your Cody Parkey challenge in, in the off season to try to figure out the next kick, or you tried to get everybody to, uh, to make that kick in practice. Um, but the, you know, they got, you got to move on. You got to, you got to cut your losses. You got to realize that you still have a lot of potential in both of the wide Robinson and Gabriel. Trey Burton is a very versatile weapon, a guy that can do a lot of different things for your offense. And I think that uh, in Nagy's offense, that that's just going to continue to be a very valuable weapon to them. Um, if, particularly for a young quarterback like Mitchell Trubisky, having one of the most legendary backup quarterbacks of this generation in Chase Daniel, who has tons of experience in in these types of offensive systems, tons of experience being that sounding board for a starting quarterback uh, to kind of be successful. I, I think that's a perfect addition and maybe an underrated addition uh, in this, uh, this free agent class. And this year, uh, Ryan Pace took a little more of a conservative approach. He signed a, a bunch of players who are going to have a role, but maybe not expected to be a difference maker. Mike Davis at running back, Cordaro Patterson as a gadget weapon on offense, Buster Screen as a uh, slot corner to nickel corner to replace Bryce Callahan. Uh, all of those guys could end up backups before the, but by the time the season comes around, but they'll all be critical depth players at worst at the very worst. And I think that that is something that Ryan Pace decided not to the big move with Khalil Mack last year and, and, and the big contracts that are coming due very soon on this roster, taking a more conservative, uh, fiscally responsible approach to fight uh, to free agency. This off season was the right way to do it, especially with a team that really didn't have many holes coming into this off season, just kind of plug them up a little bit with some back, some backups and some depth guys. And Mike Davis has, uh, you know, if you've been listening to this podcast or reading my work over at bears wire, you know, I'm a huge Mike Davis fan. And if David Montgomery, for some reason, does not work out the way we're all expecting him to, I think Mike Davis is, is plenty capable enough of becoming a legitimate thousand yard back in this offense. But as we kind of project forward here to 2019, Luke, you see how the bears have essentially evolved from a roster construction standpoint with Ryan pace, at the at the wheel kind of driving this ship um and with that playoff appearance last year in the nfc north championship in 2018 do you think that they're a team going into 2019 that is is deserving of the hype as the likely favorite to win the nfc north and what do you think this team's real potential is in terms of a playoff run and, and dare i say dare i say it potential super bowl run i thought you were supposed to be the negative guy brian Hey, listen. I didn't say they're gonna go here, brother. Hey, look. I didn't say they're gonna go on a Super Bowl run. I'm asking you. What do you think? You know, I think if you look across the division, uh, are they the only team that's really moving in the right direction here? I I think that you know, Aaron Rodgers is obviously one of the most talented quarterbacks in the NFL. But what an offseason they had. We had all that stuff come out in what was it the bleacher report article about the relationship between him and Mike McCarthy and how toxic that had become. Uh, and if you look at the offensive line, you know, you look at the the defense, they obviously made some additions in the draft and, and in free agency to kind of help patch all those things up. But you, you know, as well as I do, both the draft and, and free agency can't just magically cure all those things. They're going to miss on some of those guys. So, you know, green Bay, you look at Detroit, they're still kind of spinning their wheels, um, trying to get the the best out of the what's left of Matt Stafford's window. Sorry, Matthew Stafford, please, for the love of God, don't ever tell Lions fans their quarterback's name is Matt Stafford instead of Matthew. Jeez, Listen, don't, don't ever try do to that. don't try 
Don't try to get in any conversation with Lions fans about anything Lions related on Twitter because if you well, attempt, man. you are literally walking into a Lions den if you try to do that. And it's 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 great to be a Bears fan right now, Luke, because after years of being cellar dwellers in this division, being able to kind of come out of the dark and start thumping our chest a little bit and speaking with pride about this roster, especially on social media, especially on Twitter, where, yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of fun to troll these other fan bases that have either underachieved or are going through the drama like Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay, the Kirk Cousins guaranteed contract that if he doesn't step up this season, what an epic fail that decision was. And Matt Patricia and this weird vibe around the Lions. It's really, really, really good to be a Bears fan. And it's even better to be a Bears fan and get to listen to my guy, Luke Easterling, talk about this team. We're going to have Luke on the show regularly as the season marches on to kind of not only review what our rookie class is doing, but maybe even preview uh, the 2020 draft and some potential targets for the Chicago Bears as the college and NFL season rolls on. Make sure you head on over to Twitter and throw him a follow at Luke Easterling. Make sure you're clicking on draftwire.com regularly to see what he's doing over there. Make sure you head over to bearswire.com as well. Check out all the Bears work that we're adding on a daily basis, multiple posts every single day, even during the quiet time of the NFL calendar. And again, follow me on Twitter at Brian Perez NFL. That's Brian with a Y. Head over to Apple Podcasts, subscribe to the show, rate their show, review the show. And let's let's be honest. We're honest Bears fans here, guys. We're honest. Let's all be honest with ourselves, positive, negative, everything in between. If you don't like what I said, if you like what I said, if you want to hear me talk about some different topics on the show, drop them in the iTunes review. I read them all, and I'll make sure we bring some of that fan perspective on the show as well. Until then, Bears fans, make sure you are, as always, continuing to just bear down and come on back to the next episode of Chicago Shuffle. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran. Marvelous Marvin Hagler and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in a new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series now streaming on Showtime.